you know, when people look at those you know, pump up videos and those entrepreneurship videos, uh, you know, they get motivated, but it's like they want to see huge returns immediately. But in order to get those, you know, really big returns, the happiness, the you know, business success, whatever it is, it's not one, you know, big thing that you do. It's you know, improving 1% each day. This is the Next Generation Education. We're talking to top entrepreneurs, thought leaders, international disruptors, while focusing on lifelong learning and how education can and needs to adapt in our modern world. You're listening to Start Ed Up. Here's your host, Don Wetrick. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network. I'm thrilled today to bring on Wes Wagner. Wes is a student and an entrepreneur. And what I love about this is this isn't necessarily one of those stories that, you know, he's a multimillionaire, he's growing. And I love to hear the the mindset that he has, especially about his insights on working remotely and finding value and thinking long term. Uh, so often, um, some of the students I work with or some of the students I work with remotely uh, they they want to they hear these stories about making money now you know selling things online and being an overnight success and too often times they get discouraged because seldomly are things that easy that out of the box and Wes gives some really great details on providing value and thinking long term and how you go about that so it's filled with a lot of very practical advice and it's not necessarily one of those uh, this is how you do it and this is how easy it is this is again really really practical and for those reasons I think you're gonna love it so if you're a parent have your kid listen to this if you are a young entrepreneur take a listen and follow up and you know connect with them and uh, if you're a teacher this is the mindset you want to have in your students so I highly recommend that you uh, you bookmark this one. Also, we'd love it if you'd take the conversation to facebook.com slash start ed up. There we kind of get into some unique uh, opportunities to talk about the episodes. And also, you know, it's a way to, to talk to some of the guests themselves. All right, enough gabbing on my end. Without further ado, Wes Wagner. All right, Wes Wagner. What's up, man? How you doing? It's good to be here, Don. Thanks. So we've talked in the past and you've... Um, you were at that inter- interesting intersection of student, uh, international entrepreneur. You've been acquiring these skills here and there. And uh, once you lay everything down here on, on what you've been up to like last two years. Got it. Well, um, so yeah, I guess that my whole startup journey really started about two years ago when I was a uh, sophomore in college. Maybe, it was, maybe I was a freshman and a buddy from Spain who I went to, uh, you know, I went to Rebuff Jesuit High School outside of Indianapolis. I participated in, in, in an exchange program with uh, students from Spain, met this guy. Uh, we stayed in contact, but he reached out to me uh, when I was in college just a few years ago, telling me about his buddy's startup in Barcelona. And so when he mentioned how they were launching a Kickstarter and they had no you know, English speaker, uh, they want, really wanted to make sure their marketing was uh, you know, in line for the English market, I just jumped on the opportunity to join a tech startup um, that I uh, had, you know, I'd just been following through my buddy for a little bit. Uh, and when I joined, I had no tech experience at all, no marketing experience, um, none of that. But I joined just because it sounded really cool. You know, I've always been this uh, nerdy kid who followed the, the Steve Jobs 
um, you know, keynotes and the, the latest iOS releases. And so when I had an opportunity to work in that area, I just jumped at it. Didn't really, uh, you know, expect anything in return. And so I joined there. Uh, I learned everything I could about startup marketing, about inbound marketing, you know, content marketing, all that jazz. Um, was there for several months, just working part time. Uh, you know, ended up getting paid a little bit in the end, but that wasn't you know the real reason I joined. Um, and so from that experience, I started doing like freelance work because I realized I could work remotely, and I, I gained some of these skills from that startup experience uh, to do some freelance content writing, more or less, for uh, various startups. Um, I got lucky there. I got some some great pieces that, again, I wasn't really making a lot of money. I was doing this more for the experience, and I thought it was cool to, to actually you know, publish articles online and get paid for it, regardless of what you know, the, the payment would be. Uh, but I got really lucky. One of those articles was published in the USA Today online. Um, and from that experience, uh, you know, I was looking for an internship about two years ago. Uh, didn't want to do a typical uh, you know, internship as a, as a sophomore business student. So I found a startup based out of Indianapolis called Torchlight. I joined that startup for about nine months. Uh, and that was, I guess, my, my first real in-person startup experience. Instead of, you know, seeing the cool offices online and things like that, I was in them working alongside uh, the founders. And so that was an amazing experience. I was there for about nine months. Um, and so when I was there, I, I worked half remotely, half in person. Um, they started at a co-working space. Uh, when I left, we were in an office. We had tripled the headcount, about doubled the revenue. And so I, from that experience, I realized, you know, I was gaining so much value from working alongside a company, uh, a startup, um, not just during the summer, but also during the school year in a remote position. And so I, I left that, ex you know, I, I quit Torchlight and I wanted to start a platform to facilitate more of these uh, you know, remote working opportunities for students. Um, and so I called this in-task or intern tasks. And I joined a local pre-accelerator here in Bloomington, Indiana, with just this idea. Um, I got paired with a local mentor uh, who is an entrepreneur and um, venture capitalist. And through that pre-accelerator program, six months later, I had about 15 students on the platform and three businesses. And I was starting to you know, pair these online intern tasks or these, you know, these remote uh, projects. Um, yeah, let me, let me stop you there. I mean, so yeah. like, I, I like the fact that, you know, you started doing and I think that, you know, you and I've talked in the past that a lot of people will read about being a startup. And they'll read about, um, you know, working remotely, and they'll read about content marketing, and then, you know, they'll read about it. So I like the fact that you saw this, you and you, you seized on it, you started providing value to others first, and that was key. Um, but like some of the things that you've seen with your, uh, people your age, right? Mm -hmm. Like they, they run into this analysis paralysis or they, they like listening to Gary and like, yeah, hustle, grind. And, and the output isn't necessarily there. So like, what was a simple step that got you from, I'm going to read about this to, okay, I'm sold and I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'm going to approach that question from two different angles. You know, first the uh, conceptually, why don't you know people actually do, and then um, kind of some some tips, I guess, that other students could use to to, to start doing. Um, and I think the best story, which can lead me to that point, is I was driving um, a founder last. Well, actually, this is this past summer. I worked at a venture capital firm for a little bit and got the opportunity to meet a lot of cool tech startup founders. Uh, this one guy is a CEO of a company in Indianapolis called Double Map. And he also went to IU, you know, he was the president 
uh, student body um, was just, you know, he was a grade A student. And I was explaining this whole intern, you know, in-task platform, and I was driving him uh, home to where he, you know, needed to be dropped off. And he's like, Wes, this is a great idea. You know, I can see so much value um, when students would really do that. Uh, but, you know, I was a straight A student. I have this startup now that's doing amazing. And I would have never done that when I was in school because I was still focused on the grades. And I think that illustrates the point where we have two mindsets, uh, you know, I guess two options to look at what we do right now. It's the, it's the long term or the short term. Um, I think a lot of students are focused on that, that short term more than they are the long term. And so, you know, if, if they look at, uh, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, they get really amped up uh, about doing something. They look at the short term for that and it, there's probably not a big payoff for, you know, writing online content, doing online gigs, you know, being a part uh, of a startup or doing, you know, a few online projects. There's not a lot of short term benefit. Uh, the short term benefits come from you know, getting an A on that paper or uh, you know, putting something in your resume that says you're the, the president of XYZ club in school. Um, and so I think students really need to switch to that long term mentality so that when they start doing, um, they, you know, they keep you know, focus on what they want to do in the long term, not just the short term in order to, uh, you know, really excel and be where they want to be in five and five or 10 years. And so for me and my personal experience, most of these online gigs that I've been able to, to capture, I have come from Twitter. Um, and, and so the way I look at Twitter is really in that long term sort of mindset. I, you know, I tweet about what I love the most. I tweet about tech. I would tweet about startups and marketing uh, developing startup ecosystems. I've had several experiences, um, you know, I with um, startup ecosystems. My first startup was, you know, one that I worked with with a guy in Spain, which has a developing startup ecosystem in Barcelona. But, you know, I, I realized that when I started to tweet about some of these things, I would connect with people from around the world who, you know, were also really, really interested in tech, startups, entrepreneurship, uh, international, you know, startup communities. And from them, came, from those relationships on Twitter came a lot of opportunities that I would have never seen, you know, two or three years ago. Uh, but looking back, I've only landed, you know, uh, opportunity to to network with Cuban entrepreneurs. This is, so this is, you know, uh, a true story. I went down to Cuba and I met with some Cuban entrepreneurs who were just really badasses. And they previously met with Obama when he was there uh, a few years ago. And the only reason I had that opportunity was because I, I looked at the long-term uh, two, three years ago, just started you know, producing content, started tweeting, started engaging online with people who, you know, there was no short-term benefit, but looking long-term, I was like, if I really want to get involved in startups and you know, developing startup ecosystems, uh, you know, what, what's, how, how do I work backward? How do I you know, think about what I can do now uh, in order to, to get where I want to be there? And so that was, that was, you know, engaging on Twitter, uh, commenting, really producing value, um, and then I, you know, landed some really cool opportunities and and uh, startup jobs. Yeah, I think what you're saying there is something that um, it's near and dear to my heart because, yeah, my gosh, has there never been a better time to like get out there than now? I mean, you used to have to truly know a guy, yeah. you know, seven years ago, and now, you know, if you're doing something, the world could take notice. Now, here's where I think the comparative advantage is for high school students. And, you know, I, not everything I do has to be about high school students, but this is where my heart is. And I, I tell, you know, I tell them like, look, just your age makes you stand out. 
Yeah. Like I, like I've met some really talented people that, you know, wrote a book when they were 16 and quite frankly, it's, you know, it's okay. But people were just enamored that you were 16 and you wrote a book and Mm -hmm. You know, if you're doing something great on Twitter, and I'm not talking about, you know, flipping people off and and doing prank videos. I mean, sadly, those go viral (laughs) sometimes too. Well, except when everybody becomes a prank video. But like, you know, it's never been a better time than right now to reach out. And the thing that I love about what you did is, is that you first provided value. Then you started to be, you know, the person that wanted to branch out. Because I, I think that you're right. People see Gary and I'm like, I'm going to do what Gary does tomorrow. Okay. I mean, sure. But how about you, 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 and, and actually Gary's really good about this, you know, think long-term yeah. start, start that foundation. And, and I've said this to him, I'm blue in the face with anybody I'll talk to him. Like, you know, help somebody else win first. Like, and, and then don't expect it. Don't expect to return favor that minute. Don't expect to return favor that day. Yeah. Like helping totally. other people succeed, you're going to learn lessons along the way. And, and if it works out for them, like they'll probably feel compelled to help you. And I, I think it was Dan Pink that had that really unique, um, I think it was his third book uh, or it was his fourth. That like when he was talking about buying or was talking about selling to, to sell as human, he was saying like waitresses and waiters picked out this thing where if they'd give mints, then you'd get extra tips. Well, then it became so mm-hmm. common. And then they did like things like signaling so that, you know, the waitress would, you know, give you your bill and, you know, slap down three or four mints. But then when she'd stop and she'd go, wait, you know what? I just have to say, you guys were a great table. You guys were a lot of fun. Thank you so much. That signal would cause the tips to go way up. I, I think it's sem- somewhat similar. Like, hey, help somebody else first. You will signal to them, hey, I kind of worked hard for you. I kind of did things well. And lo and behold, it'll probably come back. Probably. Now, I have heard some people that got burnt. But, like, I'm sure that you'll get an education out of it anyway just by helping. And I'm sure that's been your case as well. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and you know, on that note, I think, you know, when people look at those you know, pump-up videos and those entrepreneurship videos, uh, you know, they get motivated, but it's like they want to see huge returns immediately. But in order to get those, you know, really big returns, the happiness, the you know, business success, whatever it is, it's not one, you know, big thing that you do. It's you know, improving 1% each day. One, uh, one quote I really love, and I, I forget who, who said this or who tweeted it, uh, was, you know, if you improve 1% each day, you know, life is built on compound interest. If you improve 1% each day, by the end of that year, so 365 days later, 1% each day, uh, you would be, you know, check my math on this, but uh, you'd be 3,500, uh, 3, or no, 3,500% better than you were on day one, meaning you were going to be 35 times better on, you know, in that last uh, day, one year later than you were before, just because of improving 1% each day. And I think that's really how students um, should, should view anything they do while they're a student is, is, you know, build that or build upon compound interest, improve a little bit each day, help someone a little bit each day, provide value. You know, you are a student, you're, you know, that's one of the ben- like benefits of being a young student is, you know, you, you said one of them, uh, people like to help students. People want to engage with students. It's cool that someone's, you know, doing something while in school. I think they should use that to their advantage. They should, you know, absolutely. Uh, you guys have done a great job of it because people want to help students and 
you should take advantage of that and, and just do something today. Um, well, yeah, it's even social signaling for other companies and other mentors. I mean, they, they yeah. like to feel good. I mean, why do you buy, I'm, I'm not going to insult the Girl Scouts, but why do you buy, <laughs> why do you, why do you buy Girl Scout cookies? Possibly for the taste, but mostly because you want to help Girl Scouts. <laughs> like, why do you buy, why do you buy popcorn from the Boy Scouts? It, popcorn tastes like popcorn. Mm-hmm. Sorry if I'm offending either no. side, but like you do it because you want to help. And, yeah. I, and I think that, you know, when I, when I talk to so many teachers, like, how do you do what you do? I'm like, I set, like, it, it's pretty self-explanatory. My students want to do things and other people want to tap into the wisdom and some of my students' knowledge base, but mm-hmm. it's good for them. It's good business. You know, I say it all the time, like every soccer league in every town has something on the back of their jersey and it's a sponsorship. I think schools could be that. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to go all NASCAR, but like, you know, <laughs> if, you're, if, if your classroom is doing something extraordinary, not extraordinary, not, they're, they're not copying things out of the back of the book. But yeah. if, they're, if your students are doing something extraordinary, they, people, local people will want to say, I want to take some credit for that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Matter yeah. of fact, I even tell people, I'm like, you know, play the game. Like if, if a local legislature or, you know, local mayor wants to say, hey, I want, I want to do a photo op with you. Yep. Because you know that that iron will sharpen iron. Um, okay, so so let me let me also ask you this. So you you you've now got some really interesting insights because you've been doing it of working remotely from different places. Tell me some advantage other than the fact that like when it's cold in Bloomington, it can be sunny in Cuba. <laughs> uh, be, beyond the obvious, what are some of the things? Because um, I'll, I'll I'll preface this. Like I'm trying to tell more and more people, the world is going freelance. Yeah, like the amount of jobs that are going to be here are going to be declining every year, period. And what's yeah. going to be on the increase is freelance. Mm-hmm. So tell me about working remotely. So when I when I started to work remotely, there's some just obvious benefits. You know, I could, uh, you know, as far as the the whole you know internship thing, because that's when most students work is summer internships. I was kind of doing internships during the school year. And so I was able to connect with a potential future employer year round. So I wasn't eliminating it to, you know, a few months um, of a year. I was able to gain real world, real world experience uh, around the, you know, the entire year as well, not just during, again, a three month window. Um, and I was able to make money as well. But that was sort of the last step. Like I've mentioned earlier, there's a lot of free work beforehand. Uh, what I really love is that, you know, your work is now not location dependent. You can choose where you want to live, how you want to live your life, who you want to surround yourself with. Um, you know, there are so many co-working spaces now um, that you can be surrounded by people in the tech and startup world without having to be in you know your startup's office with the same people working in the same company. And so, I think the the communication tools um, and the the management tools uh, that are just going to increase. Um, if you assume any line of growth, then uh, in you know in and the amount of, um, I guess, trust that comes from, uh, you know, the communication tools we're using now. You know, I, I work on Slack. Uh, I use uh, you know, Trello, GitHub, all these different online commun- communication tools. I feel you know, when someone talks about or just mentions a joke in Slack, I feel a part of the team, even though I might not be there. And so the freedom is one aspect of it. Um, just, you know, widening your horizons for uh, the benefits of traditional work and and you know when i again when i first started getting into it it was you know widening the benefits of internships um but you know i'm going to continue doing remote work i want or I, rather i want to continue doing remote work after i graduate because i have these 
interests uh, where, you know, I want to be in Latin America um, because that's where I want to live and I want to meet you know, international people. And my job isn't dependent on a location. So I can, you know, I can make that decision now. Yeah, I, I, I like that. And I also like the fact that you consider going to a workspace or, you know, a co-working space also remote. Um, yeah, because it, I, I sometimes think that people think that those are a bit cliche. Um, but I, I've, every time I've experienced one, there's so many interesting people looking over your shoulder and going, what are you working on? You know what? I've got a guy that kind of conversations. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, you know, anytime I mention remote work, people sort of get caught up where, you know, they envision me just at home on my computer in a dark room by myself, isolated. And that is not what remote work should be at all. Um, you know, you still need to seek out a community when you work remotely. So like I said, I, um, you know, I worked for Torchlight, a startup in Indianapolis uh, for nine months, but half the time I was working remotely from Bloomington. Now I wasn't isolated during my time at Bloomington. I was going to the local Bloomington tech scene. I was going to local startup events. I was, you know, meeting um, entrepreneurs and, and mentors and all those people while in Bloomington. So even though I was remote, I still had all those benefits of the community of being, you know, in an office because I, I you know, was very um, deliberate in choosing to work out of co-working spaces and going to those events where like-minded people will attend. So, you know, I think that's so important when we talk about remote work as well is that community has to be a part of it and encouraging people to seek out that community outside the office. Uh, you know, it just has to be a part of remote work because we're humans. We're based, you know, we live off relationships. I'm so glad you said that. I, I had the exact same feelings um, on, on the online MOOC movement, on the mm -hmm. online school movement. Um, I'm going to make some people mad right now, but it, it just doesn't work. Um, at least the data is showing that like the, the amount of people that finish MOOCs are low, yeah, really low. And the online school, and I, this is, this is strictly anecdotal. I don't have the data in front of me, okay. but I've had some students that tried it and, uh, they were, some had some anxiety and depression issues and they felt like school wasn't really good and, and they didn't feel comfortable. And then they did online school and they're like, Whoa, it's worse. Mm -hmm. because I'm isolated all day. And so uh, one of the things that I've always wanted to like talk about is the fact that if we had the best of both worlds, I think if you could do some online classes and, you know, I, this is called flip learning, whatever you want to call it, but, you know, do some things at home, learn a little bit off site or whatever, but the in-person experience, exactly what you're talking about. Nothing beats the in-person experience. Yeah. Like it's ironic that there is a YouTube convention. There is a podcasting <laughs> convention. There is a work remote convention because nothing beats getting together. And I, I wish that every, it, and this is total me, <laughs> blown smoke up. Mom. So like, I think that every, this is why I want every high school to have an innovation class because it is a work, it is a, it's a hub. It, yeah. it, like we get to like the environment, like our students support one like one another, just like a co-working space. And very few of the kids are actually working on the same things. So if all of a sudden one of my students, well, right now, like two of my students are starting a school in Ghana and um, like literally starting a school in Ghana, not, so... not metaphorically, one of them's moving there in a couple of weeks, oh my like gosh. moving there. Uh, he's graduating early and yeah, he's going to be in, in, in uh, Ghana here soon. And they're like, oh, we need a better website built. Two students like, I got you. And like, oh, what, you know, 
what do I owe you? Uh, this is probably going to go big. Um, I want some kudos. I want some publicity. <laughs> that's it. I mean, that's all yeah. I want. I'll, be, I'll build you a, you know, a good-looking website. Just make sure you give me credit. Okay. Now, yeah. that doesn't exist if you take an online class only. Now, you could say, well, it could happen on Fiverr or it could happen on your, your PLN on Twitter. It could. But it's mm-hmm. really, really, really awesome if you're in the same room. And I, I, for those reasons, I love it. Exactly. I mean, community is just so incredibly important, especially, you know, I see so many young student entrepreneurs who don't realize there's a community around them or don't really know where to get started in connecting with others and in learning from others. And so they'll work on their idea. They'll, you know, learn online about how to build a website, they'll learn online how to build uh, an app. And it's just, you know, it's a pain to see this because there's, you know, they have a great idea. Uh, they might be specialized in one thing. Yes. And in order to really excel and get to the next level, they need to you know, start telling people about their idea, stop worrying about the non-disclosures and whatever. They need to connect with others who are working on really cool things and who can support each other. Um, and you know, I, I mean, I've got a lot of thoughts here. I you know, came to Indiana University and I saw a lot of entrepreneurial clubs around campus, you know, but there would be, a, you know, in the business school, there was a club for entrepreneurs. In the informatics school, there's a club for entrepreneurs. Bloomington itself has a thriving startup community for a, a city of its size. And so I created, you know, I was part of a group that created a kind of community wide initiative to bring students together. And now we have a, you know, a large newsletter and uh, working on a Slack group for all those entrepreneurs. But I think that's what really propels, um, you know, projects, initiatives, startups forward is just being a part of community and, and students. Uh, you know, I think that's one of the benefits of, um, staying, you know, in school, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm like you said, you, you explained it perfectly. I'm a reluctant student, uh, but that's one of the benefits that we really need to be built off of is the community of, of education. Yeah. It, 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 no, actually, you know what? I, I'm, I'm about ready to go off a little bit. Explain this a little bit more briefly, like just define that a little bit more. So yeah, Don, I mean, Don, to elaborate on that, education doesn't live in a silo. It lives in a community. Um, you know, some of these, and what I mean by that is I, the most successful education-based initiatives I see are these things which really foster education as a community. So here at Indiana University, I see that as these you know, workshop models of education where, you know, a group of 10 to 20 to 30 students each year will be added to the uh, investment banking workshop or the marketing workshop or the management workshop. And what happens is uh, the older members will help teach the younger members what they know. They'll teach them, you know, how to land that internship, what resources to learn from, what classes to take. Um, it forms this community of education where instead of just, you know, dispensing uh, knowledge from one source and one authority, it's you're creating this asset which just transfers knowledge down from younger people, from older people to younger people. Yep. Um, and so it's just it's an asset that can only grow. And so I think that's so important in education. Uh, like I said, because it, education doesn't live in a silo. Education should live in a community. Can't agree with you more. And <laughs> I, I I think that we're gonna. Well, I'm hoping that we're gonna look back on the last well i mean look i'm not going to bash uh, i mean education was really 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 great at what it was designed to do actually i'm going to quote the, the my, my buddy naveen and i loved it he did a ted talk and he talked about it on my, on my podcast earlier you know if if your grandpa picked up a rotary phone and pointed the speaker at you and said why aren't the instagrams working 
<laughs> and you'd say, and if grandpa said, oh, my phone must be broke, you'd say, grandpa, your phone's not broke, it's obsolete. <laughs> that phone was not designed to take pictures nor post anything on the, inter on the, on the interwebs. It was designed to talk. And so I think that, you know, a lot of the things that we talk about when they say, oh, our education system is broken. I, I, it's the same thing. Like, it did a really good job. Like, a, a, a rotary phone did a good job of sending and transmitting and receiving voice. And then, and then it doesn't do a lot of things that are modern of today. Now, education did a really good job of making us work in lines. And they did a good job preparing us for a job at, the, you know, at an assembly line. And, and that was great. It's awesome. And it, good, it did a great yeah. job of, you know, disseminating information in a, in a logical way from one person to many. And then now it just, that's not the way the rest of the world works. So I'm hoping that here soon, the rest of uh, education will have a, a quicker response to all this is kind of crazy. Like, if you think about it, like all this is now just completely crazy. And I'm yeah. hoping it will change soon because I, I totally agree. And, yeah. and the whole like we had this discussion in class not too long ago, the whole age-based thing. Why is it we have to be aligned by the same age? And I even asked my kids in, in the innovation class, I'm like, question, good idea or bad idea to have third graders in, in our innovation class? And their eyes lit up and like, oh my gosh, Wetrick. That would be, you know how many more ideas we'd generate? You know how many more things we'd get done if we had some third graders in here? And I'm like, yeah, I knew that's what they were going to say. But like, that had never occurred to them. Like, mm -hmm. yes, let's bring in some eight-year-olds. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Why aren't we doing that? Um, yeah, and, and totally. We're especially because, and on that on that note of like, where you know information is everywhere. It's no longer you know we no longer have to go to a place to get it. We no longer have to sit in a classroom in order to get that information. It's online. You know, we can learn it by ourselves. Uh, but we have to be a part of community to really, uh, you know, excel for you. You can't just sit through a MOOC because um, it's it's not really invigorating. Um, so it's you know mentors are important in education. Um, you know, getting people various backgrounds and and ages is important for you know, inspiring different ideas. Uh, but anyone can learn. You know, anyone can become an. I, I truly believe this. Anyone can be, really become an expert in one particular digital skill pretty quickly with a community. You know, a, you know some mentors and you know and online classes as well and so <laughs> yeah. then ages really don't matter yep no, i agree I'm, i and again not that this has been a all praise the gary show but i like the fact that he even says like if you're an expert on the smurfs there's there's an audience out there yes there's a lot of people that will, will turn to you as the smurf expert <laughs> yeah and, and on that note a very tactical tip for young students student entrepreneurs is really internalize that fact that whatever you're passionate about whatever you're interested in there are so many others like you it just takes a little bit of initiative um and, and really deliberate effort to connect with them and personally my success has been through twitter um, i know people have done the same thing on instagram but that that's where you can connect with those you know people that are interested in uh you know, i forgot what the example that you just used don um but um yeah the smurfs yeah. experts <laughs> smurfs expert exactly find the smurfs experts on twitter you'll you'll find them yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure you'll find them. Right. Well, and especially if it is something a little bit different, because 
my my big issue is that when something goes really big then everybody wants to do that thing like there's a lot of yeah. game of thrones podcast out now <laughs> and that was great for the first two or three um so like if, if yours is this a little bit more unusual that's that's a that's probably a good thing but you know it's not like you shouldn't you know be passionate about your thing but um you know, do, do so now. I mean, I, that's why I've, I've had an interesting time watching like Joel Kahn and James Altucher brand the fact that they've been talking about cryptocurrency for more than a year. And if you've been <laughs> talking about crypto for more than a year, you are OG. Right? Because <laughs> yeah. if you were talking about four years, you were just a weird. And I mean that <laughs> I, I mean that very lovingly. But like some yeah. of the people have been saying for at least a year, like, hey, you really should get on this. Well, now it's kind of interesting because, you know, they've got credibility. Mm-hmm. So I've seen a lot of people like, hey, I'm super, super credible on this stuff. Well, if you were like making that your thing six months ago, then you're reaping the benefits. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if, if you're starting to look at emerging trends, I think that's cool. If you're saying like, okay, what's next? Well, you know what? I'm going to be an IoT expert. That's a great time to be that. You know, I'm, I'm going to be a, you know, whatever. And I, I think that's why you talk about community. It's great to have a mastermind of, you know, 10 people that get together once a month and you just start, what's out there? What should I be interested in? What's the new thing? Instead of talking about, and you know what? No, I'm not going to be mean. I'm not going to be mean. <laughs> Instead of talking about what, what happened on your latest reality TV show, I don't care. Unless... I'm contradicting myself unless that's your blog or unless that's your podcast. But I mean, if you're just simply sitting around talking about how your team blew it last night, I, boy, I'm just begging anybody to like, hey, form a group of people that will push you to produce something. They'll push you to be a content expert at something. And I think that you'll be a lot, lot, lot happier. I totally. And, and all of, you know, I recently spoke with a graduate of IU that, you know, graduated about three or four years ago. And now he's a big virtual reality investor uh, on the West Coast. And when I was talking about him, about what he did when he was a student, he was talking about how, um, you know, maybe he wasn't the best student in, you know, getting A's, but uh, I think maybe earlier in his college career. But when he was a senior, what he was doing is he's like, he just got so obsessed with virtual reality. And uh, again, this is, like I said, like four years ago. And he just started blogging about it. He started just blogging about it, blogging about it, blogging about it. And eventually, you know, someone uh, saw him and he started working for a big venture capital firm in virtual reality. It was just because he was really passionate about it, wanted to learn everything about it and talk about that online, you know, post uh, articles on Medium and LinkedIn to, you know, connect with others who are just as passionate. And so when the time, you know, when, you know, virtual reality has become more mainstream now, it's still not completely mainstream, but it's become more mainstream. It's gained a lot of interest. Who, who are they going to turn to? They a lot of people have turned to him, um, and that's why all these people now trust him with capital to invest in virtual reality startups. It's just because he was so passionate, created a community, and there was no immediate return. You know, he he just was really interested in connecting with others uh, that that were interested in the same thing. Long term, yeah. Compound no, interest. I'm telling you, uh, you and I are singing the same song. I, I and I think that's one, actually one of the best. I'm just going to be completely transparent. Um, things were going okay um, for started up, and uh, a really good friend of mine, Kevin. Kevin, if you're listening, thank you. He says, "I tell you what, Don, take a two month hiatus from some of the things you're doing with the business and put and go all in on the podcast." I'm like, really? Why? He says, 
some of the people you're getting are ridiculous. And, it's, <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he says, people will take you more seriously because so-and-so said so. And I'm like, no. Like, really? Like, I, I was somewhat <laughs> naive to that. And I'm like, I've been saying these things and, you know, like, and he says, no, trust me. And, and it's exactly the way it's panned out. Because even though, and I hate to say this, but a lot of people, <laughs> whether, I don't care what sector you're in, whether you're in advertising or education or healthcare or whatever, if you're in that sector, okay. But if somebody outside of that sector and they're successful says it, well, then it must be true. So it's been kind of funny that people have been not in education, say, Don, what you're doing is correct. Then suddenly people are like, hey, maybe there's something there. And, and, <laughs> and I'm not saying that in an angry way. It's been interesting for sure. But I just like the fact that, you know, a friend of mine said, just take this long term, interview people, gain insights, but get people from outside of education to weigh into. And that has been just a really great advice. And while I wanted to rush, rush, rush and try to do things now, I had to slow down and, and get a broader perspective. And I think it's really, really helped. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I, that's the reason I started listening to Started Up because I saw some really cool people go on the show talking about education. I've been interested about education, just, you know, seeing others. Not- well, I, and you're proving the point of what I love the most is that I've had the, well, like, I'm getting, <laughs> I get to produce conversations that I would have anyway. And, and I think that's really fun. You'd be so surprised. Yeah, I mean, regardless if you're a student or not, you'd be so surprised how receptive people are when you actually send them an email. You know, you read a book, they, they say in the end of the book, hey, email me, I've got any, you know, what, any questions. They read those, they respond to those. And then being a student is that, you know, you just have that much more working for you. Yep. So- yeah, I, 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 well, and heck, he says flattery goes a long way. Yep, totally. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, like, if you know, you wrote a good book, and somebody's like, "Dude, I loved your book. I have, I, I, it brought me so much insight." However, I do have one question for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the chances of them getting back here, you're absolutely right, Wes. Yeah, that's pretty that, high. I, um, you know, I read an amazing book this past year called uh, "The Wealth of." humans and it was uh kind of a the wealth of nations follow-up about this whole um you know fourth industrial revolution and the writer was the one of the leading editors of the economist magazine uh, i think ryan ryan Avet or something and i read his book you know i uh, put some thought into some questions and i tweeted at him and he was just you know he he and i engaged over a twitter conversation and i was like this guy is is incredible you know he's the one of the editors of the economist magazine and he's just replying to me some kid in Bloomington, Indiana, uh, just because, you know, I asked him a question and that, you know, yeah, I, anyway, we could talk about that for hours, but yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. The victory goes to spoils and sometimes just asking and being enthusiastic goes so far. So, you know what, I'm going to wrap it up with that. Uh, like, Hey, if you're listening to this and you're, well, I don't care if you're 45, you know, if you're a student, if you're a student, start now, start, start asking questions, start providing value to others. If you're 45, start now, start providing value to others. You don't need to, like, you can do it online. You can also go, I, I you know, in some of the things I do with schools, I see this is the macro and micro. Go to some of your macro sources, go to some of those places in town that you admire, and then find somebody at the micro level. You know, it could be Steve from accounting, who's your neighbor, but he works for that company that you've always wanted to talk to. And just, you know, what can I do to help? I, I think that just, and boy, what just, what a great world we can live in when people actively seek to help first and, and then hopefully try to grow. I, 
Yeah, that's what totally. I want to be. Life is built on compound interest. Improve once each day and you'll be 35 something times better <laughs> one year from today. We'll have, <laughs> check a, my math, but we'll yeah. have a math checker later. <laughs> well, Wes, I sincerely appreciate you being on the show. Uh, tell everybody else where they can find you. Anything you need to put out there that we need to follow up on. Yeah. So uh, I encourage everyone, if you're, you're interested in startups, marketing, developing startup ecosystems, I tweet a lot about that stuff uh, at Caffeinated West on Twitter. Um, I also have a website at WestonWagner.com. That's W-E-S-T-O-N, Wagner, W-A-G-N-E-R.com. Um, I'm pretty active on Medium, but Twitter's, that's my go-to. All right, Wes, I appreciate it, man. I, uh, I'm sure we'll continue this conversation, but I'm also hoping that people reach out. There's one thing I've said, and I'll be saying this again and again on the shows. It, when people are gracious enough on the show to say, hey, get back with me, get back yeah. with them. So no, appreciate yeah, it, your willingness to do that. Yeah, so if you're a student entrepreneur, just want to talk about your idea, need some next steps, just hit, you know, just tweet at me. Like, I, I'm not an expert, but I've, I've done a few things, you know, so exactly. Cool. All right, Wes, thanks so much. Don, it's been a pleasure. We'd love to hear your feedback. Leave your comments, questions, and suggest show topics at startedupinnovation.com. Follow us on Twitter at Let's Start Ed Up and Facebook.com slash Start Ed Up. We're back next week with a new episode. 